0: Hi there, Martin here. My interview last week with Lou Henwood ran a bit long, and so I needed to cut out some of the less travel-related digressions to get it down to my usual 30 minutes or so. We did have a really interesting chat about the time she was in the country during Typhoon Haiyan. At the time, this was the strongest storm to have ever hit the Philippines. Since you've been extra good this week, I thought I'd put up the chat as a bit of bonus content. Our next proper episode will be on Kenya and it's coming out this Friday, or it will already be out if you're listening to this after the 21st of July. As always, let me know what you think or if you'd like to guest on a future episode through Twitter at AllPointsCast or email me allpointspod at gmail.com. But for now, enjoy a little bit more Philippines chat as we rejoin Lou and myself from last week. A little earlier, you mentioned that while you were out there, you were caught up in quite a large hurricane. I can imagine that must have been a pretty, pretty scary experience.
1: It was one hell of an experience. It was the biggest um, typhoon that's ever made landfall. Hurricane Hyann, it was called in the West, but uh, Hurricane Yolanda over there. Uh, which is rather funny because one of my best friends over there was called Yolanda so she had a lot of flack after that um but we uh I say we I lived in a uh initially in an apartment underneath a massive um house uh so if you could imagine the house was built on a hill so the the house was built this way and then the apartment was underneath the house and this house had got a huge um roof which was I don't know what you call it, but, you know, the the, the metal roofing material. That like corrugated
0: iron yeah. sort of roofing.
1: Factory yeah. type roofing. Um, a lot of um, roofs are built over there like that because they didn't need the insulation or what have you. And it had got a, a window on the corner, which two massive plate glass windows, probably 12 feet in length either way, meeting in the corner. So they folded back and you ended up with this beautiful big balcony. That was the house above me. Um, I felt fairly confident. We knew that the hurricane was coming because obviously, you know, weather and news and, and so on was rife. Um, and a friend of mine, a Filipina, uh, was living on a in a, a a building on top of a roof. But again, it didn't look safe. So I invited her to come and stay with me because she was lame. And um, if she got caught off, off up there, she'd never be able to get down the steps. Yeah. So. so she came to stay with me, with her ADHD um, six-year-old son who would do a wall of death around the, around the apartment. He was so hyper, this guy. He was gorgeous, little AJ, but really hmm. hyper. And we were trying to batten up windows and the caretaker hadn't battened up the windows up in the house above. So um, when the hurricane started, We'd still got internet because um, the hurricane was hitting um, Tacloban late. Then it was coming across the centre and then it would have hit Baraka and carried on past. So we knew it was coming and we we, we were told that we were going to get the whole force of it. Um, but we got internet for quite a long time. Tacloban was about eight hours away from us.
0: Uh, oh, the... so you could just sort of see it coming in yeah. So we you. were
1: watching it on the internet. It was terrifying. Because we were getting feedback from people who were going in there who were managing to send video out. And it was really quite scary because we knew that this was going to hit. Now, the apartment that I was in was made of concrete. So I felt fairly confident. Um, And we'd made plans that, that, you know, if the worst came to the worst and the door came in and the window came in, that we could go into the bathroom at the back, which was solid concrete with those, you know, the um, tile, not the tiles, but they're like glass tiles, thick glass brick-type tiles, those were the lights, so I I think we were pretty safe. Um, But we watched as the hurricane started to hit. It's cyclone, it was called, over there, but the hurricane started to hit, and the builders were still working, and we're trying to tell the builders that they've got to get off the roofs and what have you that they were on because the cyclone was coming, and we were trying to show them on the internet, but because they hadn't been let go by the boss, which is the caretaker, they carried on working. Uh, yeah they weren't listening to us then um the it really did start to hit and they obviously hunkered down wherever they needed to hunker down and the caretaker's shack in front of <clears throat> us was a robot, which is a native uh built of native material and um the windows above the apartment that i was in they blew in well of course the air went into the house and just literally ripped
0: the roof off.
1: All of the debris came into our window and into the front door. It didn't break anything down because we'd we'd, um, buttoned it all up, but it was terrifying because everything from the house above that had been shaken loose was being blown straight into the front of my apartment. And then at one point during this, I, I mean, it was really, really quite scary there was a tiny little hole in the um battening that we put across the window and you could see the firemen uh i mean this is it's a, a joke of a fire fire service the engine the fire engine is about as big as a vw camper and that was it for the whole island but they're there with their their coats on and the, their hats on and and helmets as such and then there was a knock on the door and there's a policeman standing there with short sleeves and flip-flops on no yeah. safety gear whatsoever, nothing. Saying, ma'am, uh, are you safe? We're evacuating the builders. We're taking them off to such and such. Uh, are you safe? And we we said, yeah, we're safe, we're safe. Um, have you taken the lady out of the uh, nipper hut at front? Yeah, she's safe. And then bang, 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 about five minutes later, can you take two of the builders in? We haven't got room. So we took two of the builders inside and they were wet, terrified, Terrified of me, white woman, Woo. Um, very scary. Um, but eventually they calmed down. We plied them with vodka and they were all right after that. Um, that and that helps. Really good friends. Yeah, we became good friends. And also, my friend was a Filipina. So she was talking to them, putting them at their ease. And we did become really good friends. They were lovely, lovely. Um, but it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And when we we were warned that when the hurricane came over and there was silence that meant there was the eye of the storm and that the you've got to give it an hour and a half and then the rest of it would come over it's
0: going to start again
1: yeah. yeah and we waited and we waited and we waited and this little guy who got adhd all the way through the storm didn't make a sound um so we waited and four hours later. The storm still hadn't come over and start. People started to creep out of their houses, and we found out later that it had diverted. Luckily for us, so we only got half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to come out afterwards was uh, shell shocked is an understatement. But we got to know our na- or I got to know my neighbourhood very quickly. And again, I think that's probably where I started to put down my airs and Graces, my Western idea. It's like because these guys, these Filipinos who didn't know me from Adam, they'd seen me walking around with my nose in the air, were concerned. They were worried about me. Are you all right, ma'am? Have you got food, ma'am? Can we help you out? And it's like, Shh, you guys, wow, you've lost your houses and you're trying to look after me that's what they're like that's what they're like they're beautiful you can hear me getting emotional sorry yeah. it was a okay. shock it took um about a week to get um some internet service back on the service providers on our phones allowed us to send out one signal to state yes we're safe um so uh, my colleague's um, husband sent out a, a message to my daughter. So she was at least knew I was okay. I had a, a an email, a, a Zoom conversation with my daughter um, mm-hmm. before it all happened. And that was a really difficult conversation because I didn't know whether we were gonna come out of it or not.
0: Yeah, it must uh, was... have been very scary for people back home. And obviously if they're not able to really find out what's happened and um, have perhaps been following it on the internet themselves must have been Wait. yeah, pretty scary time for them.
1: I, my daughter was OK because she knew within probably eight hours. So it wasn't too long for her. And she'd also physically been in the apartment that I was in. So she knew what the construction was like. So she knew it was like a solid concrete block underneath a big house. So she was she was fairly confident. She, she, she didn't think to alert anybody else I was OK. She just. Oh, she did. She put a Facebook post up. Um, but it was quite interesting over the over the next few weeks because we hadn't got electricity. Certain places had got it, certain places hadn't. Then we had all the news coming in from Tacloban and from Leyte, and I went into trauma a second time round when all this news started to come in and you could see the devastation. I think the actual sum, the official sum of people is 6,500 dead. We, the sum that we had was it was around about 10,000 dead and about 5,000 missing. Don't know what the figures were. But when you saw this coming in on, on online again, it, it traumatised me all over again. It was really...
0: Yeah, when you truly see the scale of the incident and quite what a bullet you've missed with yeah. all of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Barakai, we, we were fine. No, no incidents at all on Barakai. There was one fire because a woman left a candle on. So oh, no right. injuries, no injuries at all. But you know, Taklaban and Leyte, it, it was it was devastating. And a lot of islands after that were cut off. They didn't have electricity, they didn't have access to food. So, you know, all the crops have been blown down, all the coconuts have come out of the trees, the trees had disappeared. So they've got no access to food. They haven't got um shelter. So there were lots and lots of, I'm glad to say, expats from um. Barakai going out in, in different boats to different islands to help rebuild or to bring uh, materials. People from the UK came over who got investments in um, the Philippines or they got family in the Philippines. A lot of people came over from the UK to physically get stuff out to these islands that were forgotten. You know, it, fair enough, Takabana and Leyte had a very difficult time, but there were all these tiny, tiny little islands that would just have a few families on them weren't getting looked at at all. So, you know, a lot of heart opening went on around that point. And I think that's when I lost my Western um, resistance to how the Filipinos lived, very much lost it. I, 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 humanity came in then. At that point, humanity came in. Um, and no, I wouldn't want to live through that again. And I wouldn't want to wish it, wish it on anybody again. It could have been better managed. I think one of the biggest issues that they had in Tacloban and Leyte was that they were warning the locals of a tidal surge. They didn't know what the hell a tidal surge was. If they'd have said tsunami, which, okay wouldn't have been theoretically a tsunami, they'd have understood tsunami that they've got to get further away from the coast. But they didn't understand what a tidal surge was. It was, you know, past their Mm. uh, understanding. And the other thing is that these guys have cyclones frequently. So for them, yeah, during the
0: season, cyclone. yeah,
1: that's another cyclone. But had no idea of the um, ferocity of this one because they weren't hooked up to the internet. They didn't have your mobile phone. You know, they weren't. They're all local, you know, farmers, um, rural people. So they didn't have access to the news. Only what was fed to them. So it was a difficult time. A difficult time, but the place got built bigger and better, and. There was a lot of profiteering going on because of it Um, you know politicians were putting their night putting their big photographs on the back of aid trucks that were going through and so on nothing to do with them they were just putting the photographs on the back of it so they were you know bringing in votes so there was a lot of shenanigans going on but the humanity that was shown during that time was just so beautiful it was so so beautiful um and that woke me up. It really woke me up.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing that I think you often see with these catastrophes. Obviously it's on a far smaller scale of well, perhaps over a longer time, what we had during COVID over here. And you just saw that engagement with the community a lot more and people going out of their way to help each other, just because yeah, like you say it's what people do when there's when there's a disaster and Often, actually, it works out a bit better if, like you say, the kind of politicians get out of the way and let it happen. But... Well, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> COVID is a beautiful example of that, isn't it? Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I think as a as a as a race, we are generally open hearted, warm, and generous. But there's a side of us. You know the greed side, that the capitalism, the, the rolling of the you know the money machine and so on that causes this divide. and from my perspective, because I lived in the jungle um I mean I wasn't totally outside of a community but I was literally in the middle of a jungle in a house on my own that I didn't have any neighbors closer than five 500 meters. Um, but the simpler our lives become, the more beautiful our lives become, the less needy we become. Um, I lived on very, you know, I didn't have a lot of stuff because I just didn't need it. Um, Because I'm watching other people around me with less than I had. You know, I had a cooker and I had a fridge, but most most people in that area didn't have that either. Um, You realise actually how little we need. And because I didn't have TV, I didn't have the consumerism sort of forced down between my eyeballs, And it was a very beautiful, very simple way of life. Yeah, they partied like there was no tomorrow. You know, they do a fiesta like, uh, I don't know, not quite like the Mardi Gras, but you know, know, any excuse for fiesta, every single village has a fiesta. Um, and They go to town and they party hard. And it's great because everybody loves it. It's just this, everybody loves each other attitude. It's gorgeous that doesn't mean to say it went on all the time there would be squabbles people would fall out there would be land grabs there would be um fights between neighbors over property or, or what have you but again that's the, that it's that's a monetary thing isn't it that drives that type of behavior um and then the other side of you know the business side of things because people are paid so poorly you know a, I don't know what policemen's wages are, but they're not much. And they're carrying, you know, sidearms. They are carrying machine guns and sidearms. Uh, you've got security guards who are also carrying, I don't know what types of weapons they are, but, you know, they're like little machine guns and they've got sidearms as well. They get paid very poorly. So it's very easy for somebody with a bit of money to go, shh, shh, <clears throat> I'll give you 10,000 pesos if you just go and pop this person off. And they do.
0: Yeah, because go they shoot, the... yeah, go and shoot this fellow I don't like. Yeah, yeah,
1: but they do, it isn't a tourist thing. It'll never, ever happen to a tourist. It will happen where there's a land grab or where there's a big fight or there's a political issue going on. Um, and, you know, as a tourist, you are safe and you are looked after. Um, but and even, you know, living there as a Westerner, so long as you're not causing trouble, so long as you're not going up against people who could cause you trouble, you're fine, you're safe. In fact, I was looked after.